You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Alongside Mike Chappell and Matt Adams, I'm Dave Griffiths. Glad to have you here as essentially the playoffs have officially begun for both the Indianapolis Colts and their opponent this weekend, the Houston Texans. Texans, you win, you're in the postseason. You lose, your season is over, and you're cleaning out your lockers on what would be Sunday, I guess, perhaps, as uh, the Colts and Texans face off at 8.15 Saturday night. Kickoff at Lucas Oil Stadium, game broadcast by ESPN. Chap's getting his uh, his Sprite ready. I'm, I meant to do that before we went on the air. <laughs> See, today's podcast brought to you by Sprite. Exactly. Refreshing. Uh-huh. Refreshing lime and taste. It, it used to be my go-to long ago when I was when I was younger, and then I discovered the joys of caffeine in, in other sodas that uh, kind of took me elsewhere. But I'm pretty sure Sprite no is caffeine. Caffeine, no, caffeine free. And you're spilling yep. all over over there. Gee whiz. We're crying out loud. Okay. It's all it's all right. We're we're, we're fine. It's it's not gonna not gonna harm anything. And it's over not there. my house. Exactly. No, yeah. It, it, yes. No, no, it's not. And and with that, folks. Uh, I, I misdirected you already, didn't exactly, I? Exactly, completely. We're already mm-hmm. off track and we're not even uh, into the first story, which which this week we're gonna get into. We're gonna touch on one story that that is a uh, important story to at least mention before we dive into the meat of this um, this show, talking about the Colts and the Texans and the upcoming playoffs. But um, just this uh, this past week, um, tight end Drew Ogletree for the Colts um, was arrested. He has been put on the commissioner's exempt list in the NFL after the arrest last Friday in a domestic battery case. Um, we've read the probable cause. It is uh, not a pretty picture. Um, and I'll, I'll say this, chap, from just the football perspective, which is what I will stick to here, because we're not a crime and punishment show. We're we're not a we're not. I'm not going to get into the analysis of of what's been said, what has been claimed, what he has claimed, and, and and everything. But I will say, it's a it's a horrible position for a um for a second year guy to be in who had showed plenty of promise. And of course, the the comeback is if he put himself in that own position. So I'm like, I, I want to get past all those qualifiers. I want to talk about the football side of things because this is a football podcast. But uh, Drew Ogletree ha- has done himself uh, no favors right now, uh, and uh, it, it's like I said, just an, an unfortunate spot for him football wise for a young guy who had showed some promise here in his first couple of years with the organization. Yeah, because you just don't know what went on. I mean, again, we've all read the probable cause, and and we've seen. That he said, she said, but from a football point, this is a guy like you said. He's in his second year, has shown quite a bit of promise, and you wonder how this is going to impact that later on. Regardless, how you know it, it turns out, because teams, if you're not really a top tier player, mid mid tier player, they find reasons to either cut you or not sign you. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll see where it goes. Unfortunate, really unfortunate. From a football standpoint, uh, it, it takes away a not that from from a football standpoint they are equipped to, to move on without him mm-hmm. with grandson and Mo and uh, Mallory Will Mallory who I tell you been pretty good right now Will Mallory's tight end one <laughs> he really is so yeah it, unfortunate and it's just like of course something was gonna not not this. But of course, something was going to happen because something's happened almost every other week with these guys. That's right. So they, I think, what's amazing is how they they they've overcome them, moved past them, dealt with them. Probably more at the at the at the coaching level, and then that filters down 
to the players, but they've been it's incredible how they they have overcome so much injury suspensions of this thing. So it's you know kudos to them, but uh, you, you hope for the best for Drew Ogletree, but you just can't put yourself in that situation. Now being arrested on felony charges, even the um, even the arrest is is a big stinking deal, obviously. And that's why you go on the commissioner's exempt list. You're off the roster. The Colts can add someone else to the 53-man roster, all those things. And he stays on there until... And he gets paid. Exactly. And he, and he gets paid. $40,000 a week. Yep. So um, so that's that's happening right now. Um, but, but, but things move on. And that's, I think, all, all the time that... Um, we need to spend. Well, uh, and, 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 but that's forward, the really. point with a young player. Things move on. The league moves on. Yeah. You know, there's... And not, you just sit there, kind of. Yeah, not a tolerance for this, no matter how, no. you know, good the player is. But as I said, when, when you're, you know, go back to uh, Isaiah McKenzie and uh, Tony Brown, whatever they did, you know, the, the league moves on. Isaiah tweeted, by the way, that he did not kill a bald eagle. Just, just so everybody is aware. Have you ever had to tweet that I, I didn't do I did not that. kill a bald eagle. No, I've, I've never had, had to do that before. That, that had been the thing that had been swirling around uh, social media for the last couple weeks. Which uh, brings us back to uh, lesson number one of, of Twitter is don't tweet. Uh, and, and then after that, you can, you can go on and do whatever you want. By the way, you can follow us on Twitter, uh, at Colts Blue Zone. And uh, I am at Dave G underscore sports. Mike is at MChapel51. Uh, Matt is at Statomatty. So, so we do, do encourage you to follow us and, and accuse us of not following our own rule of not to tweet. And uh, maybe you'll learn a little bit here and there about the Colts, about who's playing, who's not playing, um, some, some ins and outs uh, of lineups and, and all that um, online, on Twitter, on X, whatever you want to call it. But it's Twitter. It is. And, and it will forever be Twitter. That, that's just, just what it is to me as well. Uh, the Colts are one step away from the playoffs, Mike. They are a nine-win team, at least, uh, entering the last week of the season. Um, they were a team that was given uh, by Vegas a six and a half uh, win I, total over I under. I took the under, and you famously I took, took the, the under. under so I'm out twenty five bucks with your with your uh, daughter, I believe yep. it was. Mm-hmm. And they they have undoubtedly surpassed expectations, but entering this last week, um, they, they have a, a whole lot riding on the line. And if you're not going to be a bad team and get a top five pick, and you, all your eyes are for the future, this is probably the Colts have. I think exhausted all of their potential for this year Correct. to be right around this spot, and they're doing it against a team that is very much in their shoes, if not even more so, over overachieving or exhausting their potential with uh, the Houston Texans and their first year quarterback in C.J. Stroud. The, the difference being that they've got their quarterback C.J. Stroud, right? And and that's why I think what the Colts have done is is more impressive because when you lose, you know, they've had well, I think Stroud's missed. One game, two games. He, he missed two with, with the a concussion. concussion. So and more, they hit on Will Anderson too. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they've and they, they've gone through a bunch. They had remember their offensive line was in tatters when the Colts went down there. They had at least three starters out right. there week yeah. two, and the Colts did what you're supposed to do. They had like six sacks. Yep. So, but but no, but kudos to both teams. And what this does, it just shows you the future, the potential future of the AFC South. You know, I, I realize that Jacksonville's in a death spiral which is incredible to watch uh and and trevor lawrence i think is going to be questionable again for this week they mm-hmm. said he might 
be limited in practice today. Right, which is not, it's never a good thing when your quarterback is might be limited. And they, they might get Christian Kirk back uh, as yeah. well. Core, core muscle issue with yeah. him. He hasn't played since December the 4th. So, you know, all of a sudden in my mind, the, the, the team that you're not quite sure what you've got at quarterback is Tennessee. Levis has shown you things, and then you think, you know, we need more. He's looked like a rookie at times as well. Yeah, right, right. He's playing so. behind a just an abysmal uh, offensive right. line. But but at least all, all four teams have have some have their guy moving forward, which is right. really really encouraging. But th- th- what's on the line here is just really they, they've been. I think I was like they've been in. This is a fourth win and in last game of the season in the last is it six years they run together. But remember Frank's first year it was. It was in Nashville, mm-hmm. when and they're in it, and it was the last game of the season at night. So, we're really going to. One thing that Steichen said, he says we're going to find out a lot about ourselves, which that's what you do. But th- this is what you want. We <laughs> we talked to DeForest Buckner today, and he said, yeah, he said La- comparing it to last year, that circus. <laughs> he said, yeah, that's he the said, nicest thing you could call it. He yeah. said, he said last year at this time, a lot of guys had their vacation plans, you know, and, and they they probably left from their exit interviews to the airport. So th- th- this is what you want. And, you know, Zaire Franklin compared setting the franchise record tackles last year and, again, last year, and doing it this year. He said it's just night and day when you're doing things that helps your team get to where it wants to go. So you kind of like to see them finish it. And, and you know, 10-7 and seven in the playoffs is just so much better than 9-8 and eight and pats on the back and, well, maybe next year. The AFC is going to be a pretty interesting uh, weekend, and I think all across the NFL it's going to be an interesting weekend. And, NFC believe, is pretty interesting, too. I believe there are 20 teams that are still eligible for the postseason. and that Most goes, is like 1980-something. And, and then part of that goes to the fact that they expanded the playoffs since then. There's yeah. there's a whole other place True. Uh, just a couple years ago uh, in 2020 for, for teams to get in a seventh spot there. But – it's nevertheless true. There are, there are more teams that are able to make the – there are more teams playing for something this time of year, which the NFL loves because there will be more eyeballs on TV sets across the country. By the way, the game, uh, once again, on ABC this uh, and, C- and ESPN this weekend. So I don't even know where it's on locally, but we'll definitely say it's on ESPN. Um, it will be simple for the Colts and Texans. You win and you're in. Um, but there's the added benefit that if they win and the Jaguars lose to the Titans – Whichever team wins. Exactly. Mm-hmm will then win the division and get a home playoff game next week, which would always be fun, a home playoff game at Lucas Oil Stadium. But there's a whole lot of things that could go uh, go in different directions elsewhere. The Buffalo Bills uh, could, Incredible. could be— Isn't this just the craziest thing? All the way up in the number two seed behind the uh, Baltimore Ravens, who are number one, locked in. They're not playing for anything against the Steelers, except— playing the Steelers, which is always a big rivalry for them. Buffalo could be all the way up at number two if they beat the Dolphins, but they would miss the playoffs entirely if they lose to the Dolphins and the Jaguars win their game and the Steelers win their game. All, and All that's very possible. And, and Colts-Texans doesn't that's end the, the thing, tie. Yes. The things that could keep Buffalo out of the playoffs are things that could very easily happen. And that's why the NFL put that game, I think, in the Sunday night, last game of the regular season place. It could be all or nothing for Buffalo. We'll see based on everything else that's happening with the Steelers, with the Jaguars, with the Colts and Texans. But that could ultimately just be a game for uh, for the AFC South versus a wild card position as well, which is still a big deal for both of those teams, the Dolphins and the Bills at that point, um, because you want a home playoff game, no doubt. And it could be very relevant for the Colts because they could be going to Buffalo or going to Miami. 
Would be isn't it going to be is Buffalo it gonna be Kansas or City? KC? I think. Are those the I only think two? So. Okay. I think that's and if you play, if you win the division, you've got uh, Cleveland. Okay. Yeah. Some some cold weather places. So uh, it, as of a week or two ago, it looked like it might be Miami in, in mm-hmm. the future for the Colts. And uh, now, uh, unfortunately, we're not booking any trips to South Beach uh, anytime in the near future to to travel for for the postseason. It would be either Buffalo or Kansas City or staying right here in Indianapolis if they get that win and the Jaguars lose and they get to host there in the first round. And of since we go down those rabbit holes, I mean, I realize there's the, the, the mystique of playing the Chiefs and Arrowhead. I wouldn't be that overly concerned if I'm the Colts going to KC. Right. Because right now they're not playing well. I was about to say, who would you rather play right now, KC or Buffalo? Yeah. I, or, I or, or Cleveland at home. Or Cleveland at home. You can, or, or, I think you can argue – I think you. I would argue that Buffalo would be the one I would. I wouldn't like want to play, play Buffalo. The least I, team, the team I would least like to play this time of year. Because we we had talked that you know a month ago they were the one team, the scariest team to play, and they may not make it in, and they and that's still true. Right. But I still I still like the way they can take over a game. KC, I think they're broken. Mm-hmm. Cleveland, you keep waiting for Joe Flacco's, you know the pumpkin, thing. So, but but he he's he's an amazing story. But with these guys, I don't care that people think, well, even if they get in, they're not going to make a deep run. So what? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Uh, you know, so much of this year we, we've talked about and we've written about that this year was all about the quarterback getting him time, reps, and, and for next year. And now here you are. So you, you, you seize the moment. You have no idea what next season is going to be. You're right there. You're home. You know, yes. Houston is it has this quarterback who's who's setting rookie records and all that stuff. One game, you know, four quarters. I you just you just seize the moment. Well, and, and even if their young rookie, their, their rookie quarterback isn't in there for them, the Colts still have a young roster. So postseason right. experience still very very big for the team if they can get there. Then we look over in the NFC. The 49ers have clinched the top seed, the first round by. Uh, other than that, Dallas and Philadelphia, Detroit and the Rams have all clinched spots too. If Dallas wins, they win the NFC East. Philadelphia can win with a win uh, and God, a, they're a mess. They're, uh, <clears throat> listen, yeah, both Philadelphia and Kansas City right now. I Philadelphia even more so a mess losing to Arizona last week. Look, you don't have to get me started uh, about everything that's going wrong uh, over there in Philadelphia, but there's plenty plenty of it. And if you don't remember, last year, there was a lot going wrong there too. But then they came here and played the Colts and beat the Colts, and it was their get-right game. And they got right there probably They're about, running out of get-right games. Exactly. Yes. No, they don't, you would think that they're, they played the Giants here in the last week of the season. They played the Giants two weeks ago. They had the, like, literally the easiest finish to a season ever. The Giants, the Cardinals, and the Giants again. Like, come on. If you can't get right, right for the playoffs playing those three teams, then you don't deserve to be in the playoffs right now. But anyway... I rant over. I'm not going to rant about the Eagles anymore. I promise I won't. But there's no NFC South champion either. The Bucks control their own destiny there. They win. They get it. But the Saints and the Falcons are still alive if the Bucks slip up. The Packers face a win and they're in scenario against the Bears. How about that? Jordan Love perhaps leading the Packers to the postseason in his first year as the starter there in Green Bay. And still alive. Seattle still alive. Uh, Atlanta, Minnesota barely uh, alive. The Vikings, things have to, a lot of things have to fall See, their they, way. They've got to win, and I think there are three different teams that have to lose in order for them to, Col- to the Col- get in. The Colts have faced one or two of those scenarios yep. over the years. When you're going into the last week, you're like, we still got a chance. 
and uh, yeah, their uh, hope springs eternal. So every once in a while, it pans out. Yep. yep. But, but it's not highly likely yep. that they'll they'll get in. And then uh, there is another uh, bizarre scenario. This is not going to happen because we don't have a lot of ties in the NFL. Not with that attitude, but, it won't. <laughs> but well, it, these two teams did tie last year: yeah. the, the Colts and, and and Texans. If the Colts and Texans were to tie in this last game of the year, if Jacksonville and Pittsburgh were to lose, then both. Indy and the Texans are in the playoffs, with Indy being the AFC South champion and the Texans in as the seventh seed. How crazy would that be? That That'd would be, be insane. insane. Like, remember, like that was happened. Like, was that just last year or two years ago when it was the the, the Raiders and the Chargers playing? I think that was two years two ago. Two years ago, yeah. And, and they were, if they tied, they both made the playoffs. We already knew that because it was a later game. Or if one of the teams won, only one of them made the playoffs. And then it went to overtime. And you're like, do they just keep kneeling and and go to the playoffs like this? But no, the Raiders, I believe, were the ones who won. And, and the Chargers missed out on the postseason that way. That was the, good times. But, but this is exactly what the, you mentioned. This is what the NFL wants. Yep, 100%. I mean, e- even the Bears, who are not in the playoffs, uh, they, they got eliminated last week. But because they set up this schedule with divisional teams playing, they mm-hmm. get to play their hated rival, the Packers. Get to keep them out of the playoffs. And get to keep them out of the darn, playoffs. Darn right. Yep. And, and that's what we talked about with Jacksonville. And, and with, they go to Tennessee. I think Mike Vrabel's going to have his team ready to play. Mm-hmm. I mean, he even <laughs> mentioned heard? that. He said, it sucks to lose. Yeah, I don't heard care. Great rant. Great rant on winning and losing. Right. And losing specifically. And, and, and that's what, if you can't get in, then you want to make sure that the other team doesn't get what it's, it wants. Bring them down with you. Absolutely. Right. And, and, and Just set it on fire. It's right. not been a good season for Derrick Henry. You think he'd like to have that one last, because this is probably his last game in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Maybe the same with Tannehill if he's the quarterback. So this isn't a this isn't a uh, an easy final game for Jacksonville. Again, like we say, they who knows what their quarterback status is, and they're simply not playing well. A lot to be determined, but uh, fortunately for the Colts, it's very simple. Like, like we said, you win – you're in. That's it. Beat the Texans, who you beat once this year already. Obviously, uh, both teams are far different than they were back there in Week 2 when they met in Houston. I believe Anthony Richardson started Week 2. I believe mm-hmm. he did. I believe he led them to 14 very fast points in that game. Right. Uh, and, and then got knocked out with a concussion. And, uh, and that's when we saw... If- yeah, that, that's when we saw Minshew come in right. off was, the bench. And, God, he was like he, 19 to yeah, 23, very, 170. Very well. And so it, it, it's... Normally, there's I think there's a you can look back to the first game and say, well, you know, they totally totally different. Like I say, that the line's different for 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 Houston. So, but again, I, I it's it's their form, and as Shane Steichen says, it's all about executing. He he's he's the ultimate. We thought Frank Reich was the one and O guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steichen is so much more yes. than that. So, I just hope they come out and play. You know, play well. If you get beat, fine. Just don't come mm-hmm. out there and play the Cincinnati game. Don't play the Atlanta game. You know, put put your best out there, and if it's not good enough, then it's not good enough. Yeah, Shane was great. We were talking to him post game, and somebody was like, you, "You don't seem like you're going to take any time to enjoy this." He's like, "Nope, we're we're, we're moving on." But but then he relented and said, "It may be an maybe, hour. maybe an hour, maybe, maybe do it for an hour." There yeah. you go. But that's him, and, yeah. and we've it's seen his personality. We've man. seen this all year, and he he wasn't that much freer or lighter during training camp but once we get in the season i mean he is locked in and we, we sort of make jokes about how much of a great quote he is not but i don't think there's any any question what what he has brought to this team as far as structure accountability i mean some mm-hmm. of the some of the th- player moves they've done shows accountability mm-hmm. with a, going back to Shaq. yeah so i would we, we've had coaches here 
who have talked a great game. They're great during the week, and they're great on Wednesdays and all that. And then they go out and get hammered by somebody. Not to say, I'm not sure they have a, a, a quarterback or a coach who you know, plays a good game as opposed to talk a good game. And speaking of that game last week, the Colts beat the Raiders 23-20, to and uh, Jonathan Taylor had himself a very fine day, 21 carries, uh, 96 yards, still looking for that first 100-yard game of the season. 13 games and counting. Yep, has not had one just yet. Some huge plays by uh, Josh Downs on that first drive to get a big 50-yard gain to set them up for the first score. Uh, the big 58-yarder to Alec Pierce there uh, as well as he got behind the defense. It was beautiful. Absolutely, like you could see it happening up in the press box and um, on a third and one it's something they had schemed up which by the way brings me to to a quick a quick little rant here like you, you see things and we, we've done this before like when when in previous regimes under the Frank Reich regime when the Colts would run Naheem Hines on second and ten like all the stinking time it just seemed like they did it all the time like there's reasons that coaches do that it's because they've studied things throughout tape and looked at tendencies from other teams and, and they're trying to take advantage of what they see we call it bad calls because it doesn't look right at the end of the day that goes into execution as well it goes into scheme and going up against teams that are in the right look at the right time to face these things but that that all brings me back to saying a third and one play call here to go 58 yards deep to Alec Pierce is not exactly the play that you would expect on a third and one you have Jonathan Taylor there who's having a good game like I said you run or you do a quarterback sneak if it's short enough to try to plow ahead depending on what team you are in the NFL but the Colts like we talked to them about this and about what they saw throughout the week if this play doesn't work well or if Gardner Minshew underthrows it or he overthrows it or Alec Pierce trips up it's a horrible call it's terrible what are the Colts doing throwing 58 yards here on trying to, to bomb it out on third and one but it's executed perfectly. It comes after a week of preparation and coaches seeing things if and tape and understanding look, we're gonna this. We're going to run the play. And that's exactly what they did. So, so all that for me to say, like this is like it goes into football being being a team sport and a team game and everybody having to do their job and that includes the coaches. That play was like the perfection, the perfect idea, the perfect like, simulation or example uh, of how so much has to go into one play, and uh, it turned out to be a, a pivotal play for the Colts in this game. It reminded, I mean, you say that, and it also reminded me later in the game, and I, I can't remember the exact down and distance, but they, they were, uh, it was a shorter play uh, down and distance, and they were giving it uh, for a running play. Uh, got blown up by Max Crosby because mm -hmm. the tight end, Granson, could not get across to get that block in. Now, right. JT had some other really nice runs in this game because the tight end was able to get across formation and get that the block. The Jack Doyle block. Yeah. yeah. But when you can't get that, you know, when, when you do get that, then you're like, oh, that's a great run. When you don't get that, that ends up being a three-yard loss. Mm -hmm. and, and, and as much as we were going over the top about how this has worked this year, it's because we went through last year where <laughs> nothing, worked. Nothing, nothing, nothing worked. And so much of it, it starts at the top. We're not here to jump all over Jeff Saturday or, or at the end with Frank, but when, when, when there's not the proper what preparation, leadership, whatever it is, and then you get this. And again, they've not been flawless this year at all. There have been times we've thought, you know, Shane, what are you doing? What was that? Mm -hmm. But a lot of times it's because, like you said, the block didn't get made, so you get blown up. Well, and, and that's where if, if you had stopped the play and say, okay, Shane, what were you doing? He says, well, watch this and watch this guy not get this block mm -hmm. or whatever. Or you get a guy loose and you've got somebody holding on the play. So it, it's just kind of refreshing, understanding that you're going to be right like 80% of the time. But when you're right, you've, you've got to strike. Like you say, that everything was right, but that included Minshew. 
it, it included Minshew mm-hmm. getting the ball there yep. and and Pierce catching it, mm-hmm. which sounds crazy, but we've seen guys Kansas City mm-hmm. who couldn't catch a cold in in those situations. So it's just refreshing, and that's why I keep falling back on this isn't homerish. You just want to see this team, all they've been through and all the advances they make, get the ultimate positive reinforcement and still be playing after this week. And didn't they max protect on that one too? I believe so, yeah. I think they did. This was like a one-man round. On the 50, yeah, well, I, I think Granson may have slipped out, but no, there okay. was one guy deep. Yeah. Right. Th- that's who they were looking for the whole way, and they're like, right. if we can hold up here – and you make the throws, and we're going to hit there was a play. guy in uh, Minshew's face. There was, yes. Was yep, I, I thought it was Crosby. It was. I think it was, like, it was 41. So every, everything, so often everything has to happen for it to work. And we've seen, gosh, seven or eight times this year where everything's worked, and the play is exactly how they it worked out, whether it was the the short yardage with Zaire Franklin or whatever. Mm-hmm. Things have worked out, and that's because of – preparation and then it's execution two sacks in this game of former purdue quarterback aiden o'connell deforest buckner and taekwon lewis both got him buckner by the way with seven sacks joins i believe it's two other players now who has chris jones and tj watt isn't it or is it miles Nick Bosa? Garrett. Miles, miles Garrett. Garrett. okay yeah it's is one of those other guys but it, over the last uh x number of years Six years. Six years, and the only- seven sacks over six years. Yeah. If uh, if if you, is a unique Ngakwe still playing? If he gets like, four, but he got, but four, he got hurt, didn't he? Yeah, I think he did. He I don't think hurt. he's playing. He's not playing anymore, unfortunately. So I was going to say he needs four sacks this last week of the season. But there's a reason that he doesn't have those sacks. He's he's been hurt this this year. Yeah, so I think, I think he had a season-ending injury. There, there's yeah, always you're, you're these, right. there's these manufactured stats that we all come up with, but that, that's a pretty good stat. It is. It, it it's it's availability and then it's producing. Yes, they have to go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, no takeaways, which wasn't that good, but. No turnovers on offense, so it was a fifth clean time. game. Yeah, fifth time this year. That's keep it clean. I went back and looked. They're eighteen and two uh, since like twenty twenty without a turnover, which it's, a lot of teams would have that. Exactly. That's number. A, it, it's such it's such a third downs and turnovers a, a big indication to it's just, just the you know, team. especially in the last few weeks. Uh, Garner's been pr- pretty good taking care of the ball. Knock on wood. I probably have, have jinxed it. There you go. But Matt. the defense has also been really good at taking the ball away. But they had that streak of 19 games, mm-hmm. and then second game in a row now, <laughs> no takeaways. Zero and so zero. It just kind of one of those weird, quirky things. It is weird. And they did not have Kenny Moore in that game. You never know what lightning in a bottle That's can true. produce That's as true. well. And uh, he and, certainly – Pat, Patrick secondary yep. a little bit there. Yep. And I, I tweeted out just uh, – I guess I, I, I tweeted out the, the, the old – uh, picture of Kenny Moore like reaching back with one hand to get that interception in the end zone in in Vegas or in Oakland wherever the heck it was wherever the Raiders were playing at that point but I, like, it's hard I, to keep track exactly I, I, but I, I remember that play I think of Colts and Raiders and I think of that play I know some people think of other plays when it comes to Colts and Raiders uh, that are that were uh, less good but uh, but I do remember that play as, as a good example of a, of a Colts Raiders play from from the past but this week it is the Houston Texans Texans are nine and seven just like the Colts in the AFC South uh, tied with Indy, tied with uh, the Jaguars as well for, for that top spot right now. C.J. Stroud returned to the field last week after he missed two games with a concussion, and the Texans dominated the Titans 26-3. It was not close. It was we were very close to 26 to nothing games yes. in the AFC South last week. Yes, we were, and, uh, and that's what we got. Last meeting was all the way back in Week 2. Uh, Colts did not have Jonathan Taylor, but they did have Anthony Richardson. Like I said, led them to two quick touchdowns before being pulled with his concussion. It was a 31 to 20 victory over at NRG Stadium. 31 in Houston. to 10 at one It point. was 31 to 10. They, yeah, they, they, they stomped him. And then the, 
Texans got a couple of yep, gar- couple, some garbage couple time fourth, points. Fourth quarter points. Uh, Gardner Minshew, like you said, kept things steady. He was like 20, uh, 19 of 20 or something stupid. 19 of 23, I think 23. it was. 175, yeah. 76, just, a touchdown. Just was ridiculously uh, efficient. And it's what we saw early in the season in those games where Richardson got knocked out. Minshew would come in and be very, very Tennessee, efficient. a little later. Very, yeah. very good. And uh, then is kind of settled into his role as the starter here for the rest of the season. Um, yeah, so that that was uh, that's what happened all the way back then. But but chat, uh, it, it's no uh, it's no stretch to say that these two teams are completely different than they were back then. But I, I think the Texans, in particular, based on the growth of C.J. Stroud, and he, he was he was in the MVP cons- conversation before his concussion a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and and it's, again, maybe they went into this season. I, I bet they did internally. Well, listen. Th- this is a year we're go- we're going to get the growth from the quarterback, and then boy, next year we're going to hit the run, hit the ground running, and then all of a sudden here they are, because he's been he has made the transition much quicker and smoother than I think a lot of people you know anticipated. Uh, but they've hit on other draft picks, and it, 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 that's why I say it's the future really looks promising for both of these franchises. You know, young. I say energetic. I, it, it's funny, D'Amico Ryan's comes across a lot more demonstrative than Steichen does, unless you get Steichen's 45 seconds post-game. <laughs> right. the, the, that is so – that transformation oh. from, from the podium to, to the locker room from, stuff. From when he goes into the, the locker room and he gives him the fists and all this stuff and drops some expletives, and then when he goes through the door to the, to the media room for, for the press conference – it's it's incredible (laughs) so so i I think we're seeing the more genuine guy and he lets he lets you know he lets himself go for the players but i I say so much is in place for these two franchises from from the top coaches coaches i'll mention all the coaches and primarily the quarterback you know because everything it's 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 all about the quarterback and Mm -hmm. I think I went back and looked, and I, the story I did on Minshew this this week is of the 14 teams that are right now in the playoffs, 10 of them, their quarterback started all 16 games. And the, and two of the others have started 15, and then you get the Colts in Cleveland. So it's about stability and pro- productivity at the position. And some people say, well, maybe if Richardson had played all year, they wouldn't be in this position. No, I, th- I think they would have. Hmm. They probably would have won a couple of the games. Right. Not not to dismiss Minshew at all, but what we saw from Richardson was this guy is a player. Mm-hmm. So, but I think I keep coming back that the, the future is in is incredibly bright for these two franchises and. It bodes well for the division. And I'll say this about the Texans too, Matt. Like Everybody is focused on C.J. Stroud, understandably so. But I think if you look five, ten years down the road, the move to move up and get Will Anderson, Will Anderson. is going to be so important for that franchise too because he has been nationally, I think, maybe more under uh, underappreciated for what he has done. But he's had an incredible year there in his first year after the Texans traded up and paid basically a quarterback's uh, ransom to go up to number three because there were quarterbacks available. That's what uh, that's what somebody had to pay if they wanted to jump up, and they're the ones that did. And they took Will Anderson there with it, and he's been what exactly what they wanted. Well, you, we we've talked about it a lot of times about premium getting premium players at premium positions, and, mm-hmm. and they they got it in their quarterback, and they went and they got themselves a tremendous young edge rusher, which is absolutely invaluable for any of these teams. Well, that's what they that's kind of been their history, Mario Williams, mm-hmm. right. In uh, Clowney, mm-hmm. I mean, so they, they've always gone after that guy. Remember, they, if I'm not mistaken, the, the years run together. Didn't they get uh, Mario uh, Mario 
uh, his name Williams or Mario Mar- Edwards? Mario uh, there's another Edwards, Mario. Is but but, they, but they got the pass rusher because of going against Peyton Manning every right. season. Right. So and when you boy when you hit on you, you got to hit on your high draft picks when you hit on your edge pass rusher. It's just it's just incredible, and I think he's got like seven sacks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Will Anderson, and and it, it, that's why I say the future is incredibly bright for these guys because they're, they got the right guys in premium positions. Let's take a look at their offense uh, on that side of the field for the Texans. 13th of the NFL in scoring, averaging 22.1 points per game. The Colts just hanging on to the top 10. There they are at 10th in points per game, 23.6 on the season. So it all comes down to the final week. Yet another thing. It's been... I've been doing this very much hand-handed for the past couple weeks. Like, just, are they still there? Are they still there? Well, they still are right there in the top 10 um, uh, here at 23.6, like I said, points per game. And we'll see if they can hang on to that spot. Passing yards, the Texans are 7th in the NFL in passing yards per game. Colts down at 20th, understandably so, because it is the passing game that really is is driving the Texans' offense. Rushing yards, uh, the Texans are 22nd in the league. Colts up at 13th in uh, in rushing yards per game. Texans averaging about 100 yards. Uh, Colts uh, averaging close to 115 yards per game. And their uh, yards per carry a little bit better. 3.8 for the Texans, 4.1 for the Colts. Uh, big plays, Texans have been a big play offense. And, and it's been a lot through the air because Stroud can hit him deep. Uh, he's got a really good arm. He's got an accurate arm. That was everything about him coming out of Ohio State is – uh, would he be protected like he was at Ohio State? Would he have the weapons like he had at Ohio State? Well, uh, no, at least for a while. And uh, apparently it doesn't matter. But exactly. Right? But, but, but he's, still, he's still hitting plays downfield. Uh, he's still finding guys uh, beyond the secondary or in between holes deep in the secondary um, and uh, hitting crossers, hitting posts, whatever it is. But uh, they have 69 big plays this year, only four rushes, 65 passes. That's amazing. At 20 plus. And yes. the guys missed two games. Exactly. I mean, I mean, I guess that's a team statistic. It is. So you did have, you know, Keenum in there. So I, I'm, they probably had a 20 plus play here or there too when he was in. The Colts Still. have 55 big plays on the year. So uh, 12 rushes and 43 passes themselves. Uh, the other side of the ball, the defense. The Texans are 13th in the NFL in points per game, uh, allowing about 21 points per game. The Colts down at 27th in the league, 24 and a half points per game. Uh, that number has not improved too much over the course of the year. It's to- pretty hard to change it this deep into yeah, the exactly. season. It really is. It, it is. You're, you're, what, what you want to do is you want to get you, it. You want to get the sacks. You want to get the takeaways. Like that. That's it. And right. we, we discussed this a couple weeks ago. Uh, uh, so I don't f- feel like we need to get get too much into that right now. Um, total defensive yards. Texans are 14th in the league. Uh, Colts down at 24th. Uh, the passing defense is where you can get some yardage here against the Texans. They're 25th in the NFL in passing yards, given up, allowing 240 per game. Uh, the Colts are 17th in the league, allowing 225 about per game. Rushing defense, it's a lot more stout for the Texans. They're third in the NFL in rushing yards allowed per game, 88.5. That's it. And what's more impressive, I think, 3.3 yards per carry. That is that is like nothing, 3.3 yards per carry. And they struggled earlier in the season, mm-hmm. uh, but then things clicked, and this is a stout defensive unit the there Col- up front. Colts way down in 27th in the NFL in, in rushing defense. Maybe the biggest disappointment. I think so. Statistically. Like, we talked about this, again, when with uh, Grover Stewart leaving and coming back, and him coming back has really not, not done overly no. much to, uh, and, to improve and, the rush defense. And teams defense. are getting around the edge. It's yep. really been the... The, the Achilles heel seems like the last yep. few games. And, and, and like like we said last week, when uh, and that uh, echoing what Gus Bradley h- had told us, like the common denominator between their two bad losses recently, the Bengals and the um, Falcons. and the Falcons. Thank you. 
what was letting running backs loose, and whether that was in the run game or in the screen, screen game, game. Screen. Uh, yep. yeah, it was, it was, it's bad. It was really bad, and that that was that was what enabled those teams' offenses to click. And uh, the Falcons scored twenty nine against them. The Bengals scored thirty or thirty plus. I forget exactly the final score. Thirty four, whatever it was. I like like you said these these games run together for me. So I always I, yeah, forget. I think that was thirty four to fourteen yeah. because it was yeah they scored twenty straight points in right. the second half. There you go. So and before we go further, yeah, yeah. Mario Williams, two thousand and six, okay, first Mario overall. Williams. So yeah. I, I, the names are clouded in my head. So I just wanted to tell people I'm not completely completely stupid just partially correctly yes good um and turnovers the texans are plus nine this year that wow. is really good for a rookie quarterback that's incredible just five interceptions it took him a long time until he took he threw his first you're right it, he it did i remember that from the start of the season that was being that was a, a big story they have 23 takeaways too which is a fair number of takeaways the colts have 24 themselves only 14 turnovers they are averaging less than a turnover per game gardner minshew's got 14 yeah right just one one dude. Matt Ryan had 14 in like two games last year. Sorry, I ha- I had to. I, I I couldn't. I couldn't let it pass. But we move on. The Colts are plus three. Uh, they have 24 takeaways and 21 turnovers uh, on the year. So that that's a- a- as always just going to be vitally important uh, this weekend as as it is every weekend. Like, can, can you can you force them into something? Well, good luck because not a lot of teams this year have. Uh, so we'll see what, what comes across there. On offense, C.J. Stroud, 3,844 passing yards, 21 touchdowns to just five interceptions. He's been sacked 36 times of this year. Six of them were by the Colts all the way back in week two. So in, um, what is it, 15 other games, or less than that, 13, I guess, other games, uh, he's been sacked 30 times. Three rushing touchdowns and uh, 16 rushing first downs. He can use his legs, too. Uh, when called upon so it's not a thing that he does frequently no. but it's enough to where i mean that's 16 it, so that's a little more than one per game uh-huh. that, that he's played when they need to get a first down yeah he can pick one up and remember that, that was a talking point of course leading into the draft last year too is that how how mobile is right. this guy really because he showed something against georgia in the college football playoff and he had never really done that throughout the rest of his career at ohio state well it turns out that he should use his arm because his arm is pretty good. Because that's why he does. Exactly. Because his arm is really yeah. good and he's he, an accurate passer. He should stay back there and try to throw the ball. That's what he does best. But he can run if called upon, which we've seen this year from time to time. Running the ball, Devin Singletary has 835 yards on the ground, 4.3 yards per carry. Also 29 catches for 191 yards. They'll also sprinkle in Damian Pierce, uh, 4 to 16 yards on the ground. Uh, only... Excuse me, averaging less than three yards per carry, though. Uh, Singletary, much, the much more efficient runner, averaging better than 4.3 uh, per carry as well. Wide receiver Nico Collins is their number one. Uh, 71 catches for him this year, 1,102 yards and seven touchdowns. He has 21 catches of 20-plus yards, so he's the one who can get deep. Uh, an unfortunate break for them was that their rookie receiver, Tank Dell, out of Houston, is out for the year. He has 709 yards and seven touchdowns. He and C.J. Stroud had really developed yeah. a good rapport. So, so from their perspective, very much an unfortunate break to have him out for the year. And for the Colts, very much a fortunate um, break that they don't have to face him 
late in this year with the playoffs on the line because that would have been just another weapon possibly for uh, for C.J. Stroud to utilize against them. Tight end Dalton Schultz, who they got in free agency last year, 54 catches, 593 yards, five touchdowns for him. Wide receiver Noah Brown, 33 catches, 567 yards, two touchdowns. Wide receiver Robert Woods, 40 catches, 426 yards, and a touchdown. That's a lot of guys, chap. That's like have, five guys. Have like 30-plus w- w- catches. Without, without the, the injury guy. It's really – and that's where we'll get into it in, in a minute about Kenny Moore. Mm-hmm. My goodness, they need Kenny Moore this week. They really do because it's not just your outside receivers for, for the Texans that, that do damage. It's not just Collins. Like you got – like we said, Noah Brown. You've got Dalton Schultz. Uh, you they they like to use their slot guys, and so so having Kenny Moore back would would be very important. Would be very helpful um, as we get set for this game uh, to wrap up the regular season. Star players on defense: uh, Blake Cashman, ninety three tackles, the most that they have. Uh, Zaire Franklin would call those week seven numbers. <laughs> That's week sauce. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> linebacker Christian Harris has 89 tackles this year. Jalen Petrie, 77 tackles, the safety. Uh, sacks, they're led by Jonathan Grenard, uh, 12 and a half sacks, or Greenard. Um, defensive it, it is Grenard. Grenard. I, I put I the pronouncer right. in there, but I did the entry part first. Oh. Put the pronouncer down in the entry oh, uh, report, which does not help Grenard. you since we get to no, that it later. No, does not. Thanks for that, Matt. Yeah, Appreciate yeah. it. Thank it you. You're welcome. Producing, yeah, producing, okay. uh, producing wins. Good job. Defensive end Will Anderson. mentioned him earlier. Seven sacks in his rookie year. Defensive tackle Sheldon Rankins. Six sacks. Defensive tackle Malik Collins. Five sacks. So they're getting it from a couple different players, but, uh, but mostly uh, from the edge themselves. Uh, uh, injury report for this week. Uh, Ryan Kelly did not practice in Tuesday's walkthrough. Everything moved up a day this week, of course, with the Saturday game uh, with an ankle injury. Ryan Kelly saw him getting that taped up uh, during the game, but he came back and yeah, played the back. second half. So there, I, I would venture to say just by uh, by way of knowing Ryan Kelly and knowing uh, what happened in that game and seeing him play, that this is just well, keep him out and keep him rested and not having him have to be on the field when he doesn't have to be there. Yeah, and Chap always says, you know, the, the, the early injury report doesn't really carry a whole lot of water. Right. And then also this is for a walkthrough as well. So, you know. It's... And a similar position for Quentin Nelson, too, who uh, who is also out with an ankle injury. Well, the update is Kelly did not practice today. All right. Mm. He's out there with a boot on his left foot. Oh, that's not good. Which is not good. Uh Quentin Nelson is practicing. Uh, Kenny, I've not seen an update on Kenny Moore yet. So, but he no, was the limited. Off, what's on, that? He was limited on Tuesday, at least. Sorry. Right, right. Again, again, that that that's a walkthrough. Again, the estimation of the, we, if we held a practice. Yes. So we'll see. But Ryan Kelly's a, is a big deal. You need, you need him out there. There's, you know, there is a, there is something of a drop off there. But mm-hmm. but they they need you need to go in there with a, with as many. You know, of your top players, Zach Moss. It would be great to have him back out there. Yep. And I think they, they've missed his change-up that they give him. So uh, we'll get a better look when we get the, the injury report later today. And really, injuries on the offensive line are important, obviously. And the Colts' offensive line has been playing at an incredibly high level. Like, we're turning back the clock two, three years to get to how Pro Football Focus had him ranked number eight, mm-hmm. which... Well, they jumped up to number four this week. Is that they jumped right? up from eight to four based on what happened last week against the Raiders. I, I didn't believe the eight. I didn't think they were playing quite because they they were eight after the 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 debacle in in Atlanta. So I I hadn't seen the latest. Uh, I, I I sometimes use what PFF mentions, but I thought because they had somebody had a great game. Was it Bernard Ryman or somebody? After he did not have a great game, right? Because they've got him as a, like the fourth ranked 
tackle. Yep. Oh, I mean, overall, overall, fourth ranked tackle in the so, NFL. So, but, this year. but these guys, you know, they 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 do what they do, and you either trust them or you don't. And, and the the thing that I guess fourth, the thing about that is like. It, it all depends on how much you weigh good and bad outcomes because the bad outcome for an offensive tackle is so much badder, to use a terrible grammar, than a good outcome is good. Is gooder. Exactly. So <laughs> I'm still be- from your point. It's playbook, better to be gooder and not badder. Yes, exactly. Bad, is, bad for an offensive lineman is very, very bad. Good is just nothing. Like it, it, it's thankless. That's what you did, it is. You did your job exactly. So, so it's hard to. It's hard. That's one aspect of what makes their job. So, like, so I'll I'll criticize Pro Football Focus occasionally, but but I do it very much on the other side of the coin, saying what they do is hard, what they do is time consuming, what they do is put a whole lot of research into what they do. So, what they do actually has merit. It's just not a perfect metric to judge what's going on. It is a metric. So when we say. They're the fourth-ranked offensive line, according to their judgment, and Ryman is the fourth-ranked offensive tackle. You can say that both of them are having above-average seasons in the NFL, for sure, and and you know that to be a fact. It's just about really working them into exactly where they are gets a little bit more murky based on what they're asked to do and what they've given up, what they haven't given up, and all that. Well, and and we can just use our eye test to to tell us that Bernard Ryman is the left tackle of the future. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really need a grade. You can just see. Now, he's had a couple of subpar games. Every, every lineman has that game. They just do so. What we've seen from, from Bernie uh, in, in year two is one of the big takeaways going into next year is, okay, that that's we, we've got that. And as we talked about last week, the people that thought they should move on from Braden Smith – yeah, you know, we saw we saw his value last week when yep. he he virtually made Max Crosby disappear. How about that? Which is really hard to uh, do. Hard, hard to do. How about that, man? And then, like in the locker room afterward, uh, I wasn't there, but I've heard I've heard several people talk about this. Just how Braden was kind of at his locker afterward, just kind of composing himself. After I think he was the game. mentally spent uh-huh. because of all that he went like, through to get there, and having the massive ice pack on, on his knee afterwards. I don't know what he's playing through to get back. But but I know he's not fully healthy. He missed four games with a knee injury. I would imagine he's going to have surgery this offseason. We're going to find that. out that he'll have something to, yeah. in surgery, and that you know if 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 this had been four twelve and one, he would have already had it. Hundred percent. But he, he's in there because they're they're in it, and he yep. pe- wants to get the best chance on the outside. I mean, we're sort of close to it, but people on the outside have no idea what these guys go through. We're in the locker room last week mm-hmm. after the Raiders game, and. We're waiting for Michael Pittman. Gets his 100th catch and, you know, career best yards and all that. I'm telling you, he walks slower from the shower to his locker stall than I do. And I'm not exactly <laughs> moving real quick right That's now. That's not Usain Bolt here. Right. So it, it's <laughs> these guys, what they what they put themselves through on game day, not so much during the week because it's sort of you're trying to get yourself back. Right. It's truly amazing. So I can only imagine what Braden Smith and and all the time too, he's hearing he misses. He, I think he missed three games with with the knee. But people are saying, well, why isn't he out there? What's taking so long? And he has to hear that at some level. So he's you know some part of him is saying, I've got to get back out there, yet knowing that he's not ready. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought he's one of those guys. He, he's a little like Anthony Costanzo, where you you wanted more until he's not there, and then you thought he's pretty good, right? So, you know, Braden Smith's pretty good. And he was limited in practice walkthrough on Tuesday as well. So he was out there. 
at least, which is more than what we could say, like I said, for Ryan Kelly or uh, Quentin Nelson. Cornerback uh, Chris Lamals with the, uh, the ankle injury, if that's how you pronounce it. I think isn't it is. Isn't there a pronunciation thing exactly. here by our producer? Sorry, sorry, no, I, I thought that that one was familiar enough Lamals, to you guys. Um, he was uh, basically filling in for Kenny Moore, who was out. So, uh, But Kenny being back limited on Tuesday is encouraging well, sign. Lamals? I believe it is. I think he played I, every play. I think he did. He had played 32 snaps Something in like four that. seasons Yeah, how about on that? defense. And then he's out there uh, for, for last week's win. Taven Bryan uh, with a calf, Isaiah Land, hip, Tyquan Lewis with a back, all full participants uh, in practice on Tuesday, walkthrough. Texans also walkthrough on Tuesday. Will Anderson Jr. did not practice with an ankle injury. Fullback Andrew Beck with a calf did not practice. Neither did wide receiver Noah Brown. Defensive tackle Malik Collins, hip. Defensive end Jonathan Grenard. There it is. Thanks for that pronunciation, Matt, with the ankle. Defensive tackle Sheldon Rankins, ankle. Tackle Laramie Tunsil, groin. Uh, wide receiver Robert Woods, hip. So a, a quite the uh, list of players there who did not practice for and, the Texans. And some pretty impactful players. I, I mean, I, I expect that most of them will play, but uh, right. circle Laramie Tunsil on there especially. Because he, he's... Very big part of that line, uh, literally and figuratively. Yes, and, and listen, we, we, I've said this before on this podcast, that this one specifically, that the tech Colts got six sacks of C.J. Stroud back in week two. But, big but here, that three, at least three of their starters on the offensive line in that game were injured. And I believe Tunsil was one of them, if mm-hmm. I'm correct. Yeah, so, he did not play in yeah, that game. There, there were multiple players on that line that were not playing. So... Like the six sacks, the Colts defensive line did what they were supposed to do in that game. They they tore up what was an undermanned offensive line and got to the rookie quarterback time in, time out, made him unsettled, made him uncomfortable. And, and that's one reason why the offense for the Texans was so subpar in that game, because that offensive line was not healthy. So he still threw for 384 yards. I realize that some of that came in the garbage time of the fourth quarter, but still yeah. he had a 384-yard game. Uh, despite some of the difficulties they face there. Right. And so this is going to be a game where he is, I think, less encumbered uh, just by the people around him. And, uh, and what he has to work with there. And, and Nico Collins still had a very nice game yes. for them in that in that first matchup as well. Yes, he did. So uh, more than 100 yards, 140 yards, something along those lines. Yes. So we have the Colts and Texans, 8-15 this Saturday. A spot in the playoffs on the line. Uh, the Texans will visit the Colts here at Lucas Oil Stadium. And the line for this game, I'm looking it up right now. Let's see here. The Texans are one-point favorites. Uh, The over-under, 47.5. So that's slightly a higher number than we've seen in recent weeks. Uh, Vegas uh, eyeing something along the lines of a 24-23 ball game or a 25-24 ball game. Um, I will go first. Matt can go second. Chap can wrap this up with third with our predictions for this week. And... With what we've got in this game, I, I think th- I it I think it's a very it's a very apt matchup in Week 18, just from two teams obviously that are in very similar scenarios. So it's deserving that the team that wins moves on. It it is like sometimes you're put you you feel like you're put in unfair scenarios. This is not unfair at all. Like you you beat a team that's very similar to you, you get to go into the playoffs. I'm leaning toward the Texans. Because, because of what C.J. Stroud has done in his rookie year, honestly. I, I think he's been – I've said this before on this podcast. I was completely wrong about him coming out of college. I didn't think that, that he was going to be anywhere near the player that he is. And, and he's, he proves me and other people wrong week after week uh, with, with what he does on the field. So 
I, I like what they've done with him in the lineup. I, it definitely, they definitely had a hiccup when he was out of the lineup, but they still went at least one and one during yeah, they, those two games. Yeah, they yeah. split those two games. So, so it's more than just Stroud too. Like what, what, what that franchise did is truly remarkable. Taking what was a team completely devoid of talent and a hail mary on fourth and thirty something against the Colts in the last game of last season, right here at Lucas Oil Stadium, from getting Bryce Young, probably. Well, what what a remarkable thing! We can come full circle to that being in this, this situation last year between two awful teams that had nothing going for them last season. That one play, one play. Take, took the Texans out of the number one draft pick, put them number two, and allowed them in that point to take C.J. Stroud and just completely change the trajectory of that franchise. Absolutely remarkable that that one one play, one ball that goes through Rodney Thomas's hands at the goal line gives the Colts one more loss, allows them to be in the and spot in to four. draft Anthony yep. Richardson, and that's the Texans move back and puts them in the spot to take C.J. Stroud. I'd say both teams are pretty happy with how with how that went down, uh, looking at, at things now, uh, back a year later. But all that to say, bringing me back to the prediction, I think the Texans get this because just because of how much Stroud has impressed me and the fact that I still think that they've shown so much more than I thought they were without Stroud in the lineup. Like, you look at the, like, well, we ran down their offensive playmakers, quote-unquote playmakers, like Nico Collins, Robert Woods, Noah Brown, Dalton Schultz, Devin Singletary, Damian Pierce. I mean, you're not seeing Tyreek Hill or Justin Jefferson or even Devontae Adams or uh, DeAndre Hopkins in, in that list, and yet they're still, they're still killing it on, on a weekly basis. So I, I'm going with the Texans, and I'm going with a score of – I'm going. I think it's going to be close. I think I'm going to be a, a little funky with my final score. I'm going 27-26, um, but I think it's going to be a great game, and, and, and I think there's going to be a, a lot to be happy about after the season, even if the Colts lose. Like that's, it, it's easy for me to say. You know, I, I'm not. I'm not in that locker room. I'm not in that building. But but I, I think. Uh, I'll just stick with my gut on this one and think the Texans I think the Texans get it. I'm gonna go right there with that one point favorite. I'm sticking with that. So I got Texans twenty seven twenty six. Matt, what do you think? Uh, I, I hope that I'm wrong. I'm gonna I've just been I've been thinking about this all week and uh, just with the, the Colts having some secondary concerns being one of their primary concerns, uh, the fact that Stroud has been so effective passing the ball they gave up almost 300 yards to Aiden O'Connell last week on defense. Uh, I know that the, the Texans can score the ball. So I'm going to go Houston in this one. I'm going to go 31 to 28. I think it would be a high-scoring game because I do think the Colts will be able to scheme up some stuff and find some big plays there. But in the end, I just think that the Stroud advantage uh, that Houston's going to have, their pass rushers, I, I'm going to go with them. Chat. Yeah, this is an indie-based podcast, so we can't be all Texans all the time. You go with the better quarterback, which everything says it's it's, it's C.J. Stroud, the rookie over Gardner Minshew. I'm going to pick with the heart instead of the head, and I'm just going to go Colts 27-24. You get close to these guys, and you just want to see – this isn't homerish. It's just being around them. You want to see them finish it and, and, and get that playoff and move forward. I don't care what they do after that, so – uh, go since I'm not betting with my money. Uh, if I were betting with your money, I'd still take Colts 27-24. With my money, I probably wouldn't. But let's get them past the finish line. Yeah, me, either one of these teams, uh, whoever makes the playoffs now, and this is just such a remarkable turnaround from last year where they would at the, were at this point. So, um, so we eagerly anticipate Saturday night 
8.15 kickoff ESPN broadcast. Texans visiting the Colts inside Lucas Oil Stadium with a playoff spot on the line. Win or lose, we'll be back next week. So for Mike and Matt, I'm Dave, and take care and good luck. Uh, Have a fun weekend, and we'll see you next week on the Colts Blue Zone Podcast.